This is the St. Long Ginas' Baptism Podcast channel. This is going to be Random Thoughts number 17. We are currently at and going to be getting deeper into spiritual war. Um. I was going to do, uh, I, I, before I started making this episode, I was thinking whether or not to put it under the rant column, but honestly speaking, um, I'm not, I'm not feeling very, um, oh, I don't know what the word use, uh. I'm not feeling really intense, so I thought I'd put this under the random thoughts because the intended purpose of random thoughts is is to talk about things that may not be directly related to um, true Catholicism, but are, um, you know, they're not intense for a rant, so... Because my uh, tone tends to be conversational, uh, or when my tone turns conversational, I want to put it under random thoughts. Anyhow, a lot of the younger types of kids, and I am over 50, so anyone under 40 to me as a kid, um... They tend to get romantic notions. Now, before I get into what I'm going to be talking about, I want to stress, same disclaimer as always, everything that I talk about in my podcast, I've either been guilty of in the past or guilty of right now. However, I am working on that. I used to be a real romantic. It's why I joined the U.S. Army. I, you know... I, I wanted to um, fight the bad guys and win glory and honor in battle. And a lot of the younger types are like this. It's part, you know, like, as, as I said in the previous episode, it's why the military recruiters, if you're an American, why uh, the, the, as soon as you hit your junior year, they're sending you letters saying, hey, join the armed forces, get your college money, blah, blah, blah. Because kids tend to be um, romantic and, and not experienced. One thing that will uh, take knock the romanticism right out of a person is when they come face to face with reality as it actually is. And this actually happens in secular warfare when a unblooded soldier gets into his first major battle and he's brought face to face with the grim and horrible reality that is modern warfare. 
And some people actually break from this. You know, uh, people who aren't graced with a strong mental grip. It, it'll actually scar, either scar them for life or it'll actually send them into mental illness. Because they weren't prepared for this. And that's why I also say in one of my previous episodes that the loss of innocence. And when I say innocence, I'm talking innocence, period. But children under the ray uh under the age of reason who are being sexually exploited that's that's one of the more horrible um examples of the loss of innocence i can think of but the other um Horrible example I can think of a loss of innocence is taking a 17-year-old kid with no life experiences and and tossing him into um, modern war. Now, Thank you, Lord Jesus and Mother Mary. Um, This is just a personal historical aside because anybody who's listened to a few of my episodes will know that I am a history geek. World War One, what I, I, I genuinely believe, outside of the fact that I do believe that the Masonic Satanists put that war together for its own demonic purposes, but the conditions under which those soldiers fought are unimaginable. I've heard some of the ex-soldiers from World War I, the more uh, literary um, inclined Compare it to Dante's Inferno, which was actually a poem about hell. That the conditions in the trenches, the the battles that were fought, and the the you know because uh, another aspect of World War One that often gets, I would say, purposely neglected, where there were rotting corpses as far as the eye can see, where they'd been mowed down. And because you're literally sitting in front of enemy emplaced enemy machine gun nests, you couldn't send body retrieval crews to get these bodies. They had to lie where they were until the upper echelons could arrange a truce to retrieve the bodies. Sometimes they were never retrieved and had to be buried long after the battle had already ended. But that's not the this this the the purpose of this random thought is not to give you guys a history lesson or necessarily talk about the 
horrendousness of loss of innocence. The reason I started off with the fact that young kids tend to be romanticists is anyone who's paying attention to current situation knows this is this this dumpster fire is eventually going to go up. And they have part of it is ignorance, part of it is um a misapprehension and a lack of spiritual knowledge about the dimensions of what's going on around them. When I say this, I'm talking about there will be physical battles. There will be. And unless God, um, in his grace and mercy, takes it into a different route. But the battle that we're going to be fighting, the, the battle that is most important. And I can't stress this enough. Because I was talking to a friend of mine and I was trying to explain to him. Because he was like, well, you're, you know, you, you keep talking about the same things. And it's like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to wake people up. Because if they don't wake up until it's too late, it may actually be too late. Um... When I say the spiritual aspects, I'm talking about getting right with God, not just only for your own sake, but especially if you're married with kids and have an extended family. You, and by the way, for you younger guys out there who may not be married, who may not have a serious girlfriend, this applies for your parents, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your grandparents, Whoever you may be particularly close to, this is also for you. Um, because the laws of God um, because of the time and era we live in, they often people ignore the 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 very uh, spiritual truth that a lot of the things that go on here on earth as I speak happen under, or they're, they're based on uh, God's truth, his, his spiritual truth. And I would liken physical warfare hand grenades, bayonet attacks, hand-to-hand -hand fighting, booby traps, assaults on positions, um, helicopter and armor attacks, um, the whole nine yards is what I would call a physical manifestation of the spiritual warfare. Now, to anyone who's bothered to listen to my episodes on spiritual warfare, I have made quite implicit my deeply held belief that physical warfare is mirrored on spiritual warfare. 
um, different aspects of it. And in case you're new to this podcast and you're just popping onto this episode, not only do spiritual principles um, get mirrored in physical warfare, they get mirrored in life in general. You know, um, a lot of right-wingers like to make fun of the misguided SJWs who think that gender is a physical, uh, is a social construct. Um, you know, if you, if you're a human being, you can claim to be a dolphin and it's legitimate, you know. Instead of being derided, these people should be prayed for because they're they're laboring under a very false delusion that they can change God's reality just because they want to. Uh, that's part of Satan's trick bag. Is he will try to trick the unwary into thinking that God's laws do not apply in their life. That they can make up their own reality. And because God is the sovereign ruler and maker of everything. When they bump into the harsh reality that is God's law. That they've been rebelling against. It's a very hard lesson. It is a very hard lesson. But now I, I, I do realize if anyone secular or non-religious should come across this podcast and listen to it, that they're going to, you know, dismiss like the past five minutes of what I've been talking about. You can dismiss it all you want to. It's the truth. And those of you, and I don't care if you're heretical Protestants or uh, LARPing Catholics of the Vatican II sect, but especially said of a contest, I cannot urge you enough to pray for those who are trying to bend God's world and his law to their own warped version of reality. They do not deserve our contempt, they deserve our pity. Now, a lot of the younger types, well, actually, a lot of my generation really got into the Lord of the Rings. And I'll try to be brief with this passage in the Lord of the Rings. Um, I believe it was in the first book when... Sam, or I'm I'm sorry, not Sam. Um oh I forget Bilbo's nephew's name. Um I forget his name. Frodo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Frodo. Frodo's talking to Gandalf, and this is at the very beginning of the first book. And this is when Gandalf, the wizard, is explaining to Bill, uh, 
not Bilbo, uh, Frodo, um, how Bilbo actually got the Ring of Power from, um, it's been a long time since I've read this, read the trilogy, um, Gollum. And in the course of telling Frodo how Bilbo managed to trick Gollum out of the ring, they had a fight and Bilbo had a chance to kill Gollum without getting too deep in the weeds to and anyone who may not have read this trilogy... Gollum had come across the Ring of Power, which was corrupting in and of itself. And it was made for Sauron, the Demon King. And so any human or, you know, non-demon who touched it, it was just going to corrupt them. And depending on the... the uh, Powers of the person's constitution would be the amount of time it took. But it corrupted. It corrupted uh, Gollum. And Gollum wasn't out and out evil like, say, Sauron, but it had corrupted his personality enough that. He would kill anybody who had his ring, if it were in his power to. But anyway, they get in a fight. Bilbo, or I'm sorry, yeah, Bilbo has the ring. And he, he overpowers Gollum, and he has the chance to kill Gollum. Now, in the book, it's especially prevalent in the movie... You look at Gollum in the movie, he's he's a pathetic wretch. And as as um Gandalf is telling Frodo all this, Frodo burst out, well it's a pity he didn't kill Gollum while he had the chance. And Gandalf, and by the way, the author of this trilogy was a traditional Catholic who happened to be an Oxford University, uh, I believe it was literature or languages, professor named J.R.R. Tolkien. Not to be confused with the land whale that is known as J.R.R. Martin. Anyhow, um... The explanation that Gandalf gives Frodo is that is is the one of the neatest and most neutral explanations of divine providence I've ever read in literature. He said, "Yes, it was pity that stayed his hand." But maybe someday, 
And in a larger way, Gollum will be instrumental in bringing good out of the world. Now, to those of you who've seen the movies or read the books, know that that's exactly what happens. Um, as, as Frodo is getting closer to Mount Doom to toss the ring into the, into the fire, which is the only thing that can destroy the ring of power, Gollum attacks him and he bites off Frodo's finger, but he loses his balance and falls into the pit of Mount Doom. Therefore, destroying the ring. Now, these two concepts that I'm discussing, the concept of pitying those who you find contemptible and everything working toward divine providence kind of I think that they neatly summarize the point I'm trying to get to about this upcoming war. Because a lot of people are going to look at it as surface terms and think of it as a physical war. It's also going to be a spiritual war. And it, just like in the Lord of the Rings, when the, the forces of good and evil confronted each other, in the spiritual realm, this is going to happen as well. Now, those of you who um, are true Catholics, we know how it's going to turn out. Now, when I was a Protestant Vatican II member, um, I've heard a lot of Vatican II LARPers say the same thing, and I've heard Protestant heretics say the same thing. But because both of these false religions are subjective it depends on the person saying what they're saying if they actually recognize and understand what they are saying I mean they're right in a larger sense of the term I mean all it does is to take to read the book of apocalypse to know that you know just like Sauron was fighting a losing battle from the get-go. So is Satan. But, once again, without proper knowledge, you can't fight the spiritual battle. You're not going to fully understand what the stakes are. And you're not going to know how to do it. I think I said that already, but um, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to recognize your enemies. And what this episode, I'm trying, I'm trying to get people to be aware, just like I did in my spiritual series, Episode, spiritual warfare episodes that the physical and the spiritual it's not all physical and it's you know sometimes spiritual warfare actually bleeds into the uh, the physical but 
one of the keys in the upcoming war is going to be spiritual discernment and spiritual wisdom. If you are true Catholics and you're not asking for these two tremendous graces, you're probably missing the two keys for the upcoming battle. Because as I stressed in my earlier spiritual warfare episodes, um, just like in physical warfare, you have your enemies, the neutrals, and the allies. It's the same thing in the spiritual life. Now, I would say in the spiritual life, your allies are actually the heavenly kingdom. Because just given what the traditional Catholic Church teaches about humans being changeable and corrupt and willful and all that, basically what makes us human beings, you know, that's why the New Testament is replete with do not put your trust in princes, do not put your trust in men. Because a person may start out your ally, but they, they may get threatened with something that they cannot ta uh, handle. Like, you know, hey, you know, we're going to kill your family if you don't do this or whatever. Into betrayal. Or greed or whatever that particular person's particular weakness is. Um, but you, but you need spiritual discernments, not just to understand the type of demons that are fighting you personally, which is, can't stress this enough, very important in spiritual life, but you also need to be able to, now I do realize the discernment of other souls is as near as I've been able to ascertain. It's actually a saintly attribute. Um, at least in, in my reading, and I'll be the first to tell you, my reading has not been as in-depth as it should be, but as near as I can tell, the discernment of souls' grace is given to saints. I think St. Padre Pio, 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 he had that discernment, and a few others before him did too. And it's a very rare grace. However, that's where this uh, wisdom comes in, holy wisdom. Because if you have holy wisdom, God will grant you the grace to be able to see, not infallibly, but have a better understanding of the motivations that are driving your human, not your spiritual, but your human allies. And for that matter, you know, the neutrals and your actual enemies. But these two graces are going to be essential for the upcoming spiritual battle. And 
once again, you take it for what it's worth. I'm not claiming to be an infallible at all. I'm not claiming to be a saint, and I'm darn sure not claiming to be the next John the Baptist. But I honestly believe that the Great Reset is what's going to trigger Armageddon, or if you like in Catholic terms, the Great Tribulation. And just like the physical conditions on the ground are going to be cataclysmic, so are the spiritual conditions. The forces of heaven and hell will literally be unleashed upon each other. And if you're not prepared for that battle, you may be lost. And the reason I'm saying maybe is because, number one, I just got done saying I'm not infallible, but number two, God is sovereign. God is absolute sovereign. And he may take a person who is completely a blank, a blank slate when it comes to himself and his spiritual kingdom and grant them the grace of being able to fight that spiritual battle. It is his will to do with what he wish. And it's all just like it is up to his mother to dispense of the graces he gives her to dispense how she wishes. And honestly speaking, there's another reason that I in particular hammer the spiritual life. And that is St. Paul, and this is aimed at the said Vacantist, in his epistles, talks about that we are not at war with flesh and blood. He's saying we're not at war with earthly things. And this ties back to what Jesus said in, in the gospel according to St. Matthew. Fear not he who can kill the body. Fear him who can send you to either heaven or hell. These two tie in. But without the spirit, proper spiritual mindset, they're gonna, you know, you're gonna read one part like I did, and you're gonna read another, the other part like I did, and you're not gonna make the connection. But if you're not fighting the powers of evil spiritually right now. As I speak, whenever you hear these words, if you're not doing that, whenever you hear these, if you're not doing this, I should say, uh, whenever you may hear this podcast, um, it's time to get in the game. It's time to get in the game and it's time to get serious. You know, um, we as moderns, we tend to, to fall into the fallacy of thinking, oh, this is a coincidence, this is random, blah, 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 blah. I mean, and even some people who do recognize, 
the forces of Satan at work in our world will still, still, depending on the person, fall into the trap of seeing things through secular eyes. If you do not develop your spiritual understanding and your spiritual eyes and ears, that's like going into battle with your ears stuffed up and um, wearing bandages over your eyes. If you survive at all, it's going to be through God's grace. Which also leads me to another point. I've often said in my, in my talking about this spiritual life, there's a difference between quietism, which is literally just sitting on your backside and just saying, committing sins, committing heresies, or sins, or even faults for that matter, and saying, well, it's all God's divine providence. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. And preparing yourself. That, that trust in divine providence is not sitting on your backside, waiting, you know, making up excuses for yourself, waiting for God to do something. Part of divine providence in the Catholic sense of the term means preparing yourself for the spiritual battles that lie ahead and developing the resources necessary that you can fight these battles. Now, I'm going to give a secular example, but like I said, the secular and the spiritual work together. In the U.S. Army, I could use either the Rangers or the Green Berets. That's the Army's elite. Sorry, you air, uh, airborne guys and you... Uh, 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 Air assault guys, you're just jumped up infantrymen. The Rangers, the Green Berets, the Deltas, they're 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 the tip of the spear. Anyhow, I don't want to speak because it's been 30 years since I've been out of the military and I a lot changes in 30 years, but in the course of special forces training, they would teach you things such as weapons repair, radio repair, um, foreign languages, laying booby traps, foreign, the use and emplacement of foreign weapons, mines, um, counterintelligence, you get my drift. As I said, just take those secular things and in spiritual warfare, replace them with things like knowledge of scripture, the writings of saints, prayer, mortification such as fasting, giving up the things that you love, which are legal, but you know, you're, 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 you're making those sacrifices for the love of God in your human neighbors. Um, 
the sacramentals and asking for particular graces, whatever graces you feel that you need to get you through for what's upcoming in the future. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. And this is aimed at said vacantes in general because I don't expect the Vatican II LARPers or the um, Protestant heretics to get this, to get this. A lot of you are still thinking in natural terms because I can hear a certain segment, not all, but a certain segment of Sedem saying, well, that's just ridiculous. It took the saints their entire lifetimes to, to reach heroic sanctity or at least a certain level of piety and devotion. That's, that is purely a naturalistic view. That is purely a naturalistic point of view. And it's also putting God in a box. God is the sovereign king over everything. He literally can do what he chooses. Or to quote St. John the Baptist when he was talking to the Pharisees. Don't say that we are sons of Abraham... For God himself can take these very stones and make sons of Abraham. In other words, if it pleased God to send a little five-year-old girl and make her a super saint and have her lead the spiritual attack on Satan and his minions uh, herself, him and his blessed mother could do that. They don't need our permission. And not that I'm saying that any of you are thinking this, but what I'm trying to get at you, what I'm trying to get across to you is, is that um, just because you can't see something happening does not mean God and his blessed mother cannot make it happen. Just because it seems like to you out of the realm of possibility does not mean God and His Blessed Mother cannot make it happen. That's why I call it putting God in a box. And we're all guilty of it in one form or another, whether consciously or unconsciously. We're all guilty of it. And just as a further disclaimer, it's a shame it took me 40 minutes to remember this. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking myself out of the equation on any, anything that I've said up until this episode. I'm not taking myself out of that equation. And just to make it clear for any Protestants or Vatican II types who may listen, um, I know that me calling Protestants in particular heretics and 
for the younger Vatican II types who understand, who understand the term LARPer, that that may seem harsh. But as I said in an earlier episode, I do not believe in giving titles to people who they're, they're not worthy of the title. I'm not going to call the Vatican II sect Catholics or Christians. I'm not going to call the Eastern Orthodox Christians. I'm not going to call the Protestants Christian because they are not. There's only one Christianity. And I, I want to make this distinction absolutely clear if you are a Protestant or a Vatican II sect guy who may still be listening despite what I just said earlier, these are not personal insults at you. Um, if you're new to this, this podcast, I state frequently throughout the course of this podcast that I have no beef, I absolutely have no beef, no, no hatred, no ill will, toward the average Vatican II sect member or Protestant for the very fact that how could I? I was once a Protestant. I was once a Vatican II sect guy. Myself. So no, these are not, these are not aimed uh, um, against you or for that matter, your, your friends and relatives who may be under the same airs you guys are in. This is not aimed at, uh, I'm not personally attacking you as human beings. Just because you hold a wrong belief system does not mean that that makes you a bad person. I mean, there are atheists and agnostics who are definitely laboring under a, a error in a falsehood, but in their day-to-day existence, they're some of the most nice people you would ever meet. Um, but that does not mean, and I also make this statement several times throughout this podcast, um, that does not mean I'm going to indulge you in your air. I'm not going to indulge you in your air. Because that would be a sin on my part. It would be like, say you're walking down the street and there's a homeless guy on the sidewalk who's shaking so bad from the DTs. And he's saying, hey, man, I need some change. I need some change. And you're like, well, what for, man? And they're like, I need booze. And you go out and buy them a half gallon of vodka. That's not charity. That's not charity at all. When somebody is literally dying in their sins... 
giving encouragement to whatever delusions or falsehoods that they are living under is not charity. It is not. Now, if you are a Protestant or a Vatican II sect member, I'm not going to really mention the quote-unquote Eastern Orthodox because they're even more of a minority within a minority, at least in the United States, than the actual set of Acontists. So I doubt very seriously I get many Eastern Orthodox that actually listen. But part of preparing for this spiritual battle, and I've mentioned this several times in, in, in throughout my podcast episodes, um, before you can go to war, you've got to make sure that the, the banner you're fighting under is the correct one. And don't fall for the trap. And I, I, I do admit, I used to fall under the air of thinking that this was a Vatican II thing. I don't think so. I think this is a Masonic thing. This generalized, generalized, naturalized uh, pseudo-religion that calls itself Christianity in the modern sense of the term. Don't fall under that assumption. It's, it's, it's an error meant to trap you, laid by the devil himself. So, but I want to I wanna urge you guys, if, you are, if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, yeah, the guy may have a point, I would urge you to research Sedevacantism. And for those who are uninitiated, um, that's why I do these, these explanations. I don't assume that I have regular listeners that do this. Uh, to the uninitiated, to the new people that are tuning in, I urge you to... Research set of accountism from not not from the Vatican II sources, but from actual set of accountists themselves. And for those of you who have never heard the term set of accountism, I also want to stress that all set of accountism is is it's the Catholic Church prior to the Vatican II Council. A Sedvacantist considers Vatican II Council to be heretical and not in line with the true Catholic Church. And anything that came out of that council is you're to try to avoid it if you can. Although, honestly speaking, the Masons that are running that particular sect have fooled billions of people into thinking that they're actually serving Jesus Christ and his blessed mother. 
and it's going to take an act of God and his blessed mother to move them out of their errors. So, this is the end of the episode. Um, if you disagree with me, but you still listened in almost 50 minutes in, I want to give you a sincere and hearty thank you. Um, a person that is willing to listen to another person's viewpoint, even if they consider that person to, to be wrong or have incorrect knowledge or um, incorrect knowledge, if they still hear them out, I, 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 I've got nothing but thanks for you. Because that is a rare person indeed. And for what it's worth, I always say for what it's worth because in this day and age, everybody's always looking for an angle. And and I, I'm I'm not I'm not blaming general society in this suspicion. Because in this in today's day and age, at present moment, it is truly hard to find somebody who is honestly sincere, who honestly means what they say. That's why I always say, take it for what it's worth. I am praying for everyone, and I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. So in closing, thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.